Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. And in this week's episode, we have Trent Masterson, who's back for part three of episode six, where he is talking to us about trapping wild turkey predators. That is both your nest predators and your adult and poult turkey predators. And in this episode, Trent tells us what the odds of catching a non-target species are in our trap, what to do if we do actually catch one, He's also going to talk to us about the best ways to dispatch an animal that we trap, and he's going to share with us an awesome turkey hunting story. So without further ado, here's Trent Masterson. Now, you talked about the dog-proof traps. I mean, my concern, I guess, would be with these body grip type of traps that I have, or even a foothold type of trap, mm-hmm. you know, catching some sort of a protected species or even a non-targeted species like somebody's dog or, you know, a house cat or something like that. How concerned do we need to be with catching a hawk or an owl or eagle or something like that in the trap? It's extremely, extremely rare. Let's put it that way. They're very visual uh, and right. most visual hunters. So in, in some places, it's legal to use fur and feathers and, and things like that. Probably might up your chances of catching predators like that or avian predators, hawks, owls, eagles. If you're using some kind of an attractor like that, which is really works great for bobcat but the way you would set up for a bobcat is you block those traps in really heavily and you want them to step in between places you fairly conceal your trap they'll step on almost an exposed trap the bobcat will so if you're blocking down the correct way chances of you catching a hawk or an owl he's going to come down and land in front of the set three or four feet away bounce around a little bit look at all the feathers and see what's going on and he's going to fly away he's not going to go over and step in the right spot to stick his nose down in that hole to pull that bait out or in that cubby to pull the bait out or, you know, whatever. Um, So, like I said, it's extremely rare. A lot of states have setting within exposed bait laws. Like if you were to stake down a rabbit carcass or stake down a deer leg or things like that, that's a great way to up the chance of you catching a, you know, an avian predator. But, you know, again, I've never seen it happen. So I'm sure those laws are in place for a reason. I've personally never witnessed it. Well, and I would imagine as long as you've been trapping and as much as you've trapped, then I would feel pretty comfortable knowing that I'm probably not going to have to worry about it. Although, yeah. you know, with my luck, that'd probably be the first <laughs> thing that I really caught trying yeah. to catch a, a and, and uh, now, coon and, and instead I get a buzzard. Yeah. And now, well, cats and dogs, you did mention people's right. pets. And again, we're using traps that are very foot-friendly for the animal. So if you do catch somebody's hound or you catch somebody's bird dog, 
usually you can walk up to that dog and he's and then now and then you'll get one that's pretty aggressive and you may have to use a catch pole and that's something you always want to have with you when you're when you're trapping especially predators and i actually dispatch my bobcat with a catch pole but you just okay. you know put it over his neck and pull it tight and kind of you know step on a trap let him out and most of the time now i had one german shepherd actually try to jump in the truck with me one time followed me my whole trap line and tried to get in the <laughs> truck with me so they don't you know really it doesn't they're walking on all fours as soon as you let them go they they whine a little bit when they're in the trap more they're more scared than anything it doesn't it's nothing that's going to really hurt the animal now right. using a body grip you get into a situation where maybe yeah, it could happen or it could kill something. So it's just going to be really careful when using those. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned right when we started the, the interview that if you're trapping in an area that people are hunting birds often or running dogs for deer or hogs or whatever it may be, then, mm-hmm. you know, probably right away to go ahead and use a dog-proof trap you for your it. nest predators. Yeah. So you keep yeah. any of that from happening. So. And, it, and then again, like I said before, if you're using if you're using those you're predator trapping. You're in there to, for coyotes and bobcats and things like that, and you want to be there as soon as it gets light. You know, you you don't want to be you don't want to be checking those traps later in the afternoon when it's 80 degrees out and and have a have somebody's prized dog die of exhaustion or something like that. Just you know, and it wasn't the trap that did it. He just struggled so much. But you know, most of the time I find when a dog like that's used to be you, it's used to being either chained, tied up, or boxed up. Once they get mm-hmm. they realize, okay, I can't get away. They just they curl up and ball and go to sleep. They don't they they figure somebody's going to come sooner or later to let them out. They don't really know any better. They don't they're not as you know aggressive at fighting the trap as a, as a wild animal is. So they just kind of kind of laid back and just relax. You know when that right. kind of stuff happens. So so you mentioned I think you called it a catch pole. Yeah yeah. When you're okay. when you're catching traps and that's the pole that has a little snare on the end of it where you get the animal around the neck and you got it. Yep yep exactly. Tied yeah, on the that, other end. Of, okay. Right. Like I said, it's it's a great way to dispatch bobcats. Their their arteries are high in their neck and they sit close to their muscles and you can put that around and put that around their neck, loosen down and literally within seconds they pass out and it dispatches them. It's blood free, very humane. It's that's the most effective way to dispatch a bobcat with uh with other animals. It's, it's different, but I, I love that catch pole. It's and I always you know, you always want to have a catch pole with you. You never know what you're going to run into out down the line. Then your other method for dispatching would be a firearm, I'm assuming. Yes, unless you have restrictions where you can't use a firearm near homes or in city limits. Or, you know, I also do coyote control, urban control here, uh, Metro Detroit, and I do beaver control here. I mean, it's usually urban settings, and if you have an animal like that alive, you can't shoot within 150 feet of a residents or whatever the the rule right. is but anytime i'm around those urban settings there's there's other dispatch methods blunt force yeah hit them hard with a big stick you know it's really what it is and uh there's there's tricks to it to making it very very effective and very quick as far as that goes but i would prefer to have a sidearm with a cb short in it and on a coyote i shoot them in the heart i try to shoot them right behind the low behind the front shoulder the CB mm-hmm. short usually goes in and doesn't come out. Very, very little fur damage. That's usually the, the best way to dispatch yeah. it. Just behind the front shoulder and, and, and pass out. And I would imagine, too, with the bobcats, you probably, because they're so soft-skinned, you probably don't want to shoot them with a gun anyway if you're using them for... Exactly. Just, exactly. Using them yeah. for, and they're, okay. and they're one, of my, one of our most valuable fur bearers there is, so you want to be really careful with them when you catch them. You want to okay. 
take care of the fur and, and be careful with them. So. And that leads me to another question. I know the fur market is up and down and all over the place, and it's a locational <laughs> thing. It's a seasonal thing. Yeah. Just kind of overall, what is the trend in fur prices over the past couple of years? Okay, over the past couple of years, it is all over the place, exactly what you just said. It went to not last fall, but the fall, previous fall, to the highest levels I've seen in my career. I've never seen prices the way they were that year. And it was just about with everything across mm-hmm. the board. I think every animal hit record highs. It softened a little bit this last year, and it's continuing to soften. I would say you're – and it depends on the species. I trap full-time in November, December for muskrat, and that's what I target here at, at home. Two years ago, the first auction I sold at, I think I had a 1688 average on muskrats. And when you're catching thousands of them, it you know, adds up. Um, and that year was absolutely amazing. Like I said, when I was younger, I saw $5 for the first time. I thought that was unbelievable. And I can't tell you how many muskrats I've sold for a dollar and a dollar fifty. So even now that it's softened down, it's, it's softened down to about 10 or $12. Um, that's still really a really, really good price for muskrats. Um, Holy cow. Almost $17 for a muskrat. On, yeah. And that's on average. Yeah, that's taking wow. the, the little damaged kits and everything and all the way up to the big, big ones. So, yeah, it just it's it's been all over. Uh, you know, I had friends last year that sold raccoons that shipped, uh, they shipped to the big Canadian auctions and they had $117 raccoons wow. from Michigan. I mean, $40 averages on raccoons, just absolutely amazing numbers. And now I'm hearing guys that have been shipping, if you get $10 on average, you're doing good on raccoons. And that's a northern mm-hmm. raccoon. Right. It didn't hit the southern fur as bad, what they call a semi-heavy raccoon. They're still down, but they're not. I mean, when you only, then they only climb to 6 or $8. For them to drop to 4 or 5 isn't horrible. You know, when guys were used to getting 30 and 40 here, and now we're down to 10, well, that's a considerable drop. And, and, it, and it's hinged around, and I don't claim to be any kind of an expert at it, but it's, sure. it's hinged around mainly uh, Russia and China from what I, what I read and guys I talk to. And, and through our association, we run auctions, so I get to handle a lot of fur. I grade fur there and, and help guys bundle and talk to a lot of buyers. And so I have a pretty good idea, in, in, you know, especially because that's how I make my living. And, you know, I want to be on top of things and know I'm getting a fair price. Sure. Um, and that's something that I think that really for anybody who's going to get into trapping if you are interested in not only improving your population of the animals that you want to hunt the Mm -hmm. the deer and the turkeys but heck it sounds like you can make a fair amount of money doing it to at least cover your expenses if not makes make some money make it worth your time absolutely absolutely so you you may not want to go into it on a professional basis like trent (laughs) but you know at least you can get a little bit of something to make it worth it i'm always looking for a way to make a buck there you go. <laughs> well, tell me, we're in, we're almost out of time. I don't want to keep you too terribly long, and I appreciate what you've offered us today. But out of all of the trapping that you've done, mm-hmm. you've got to have some outrageous or hilarious stories. Oh, put, Can you think of one good one to share with us? Put me on the spot here. Oh. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't think about that. We you can know, uh, we can skip it. I, I mean, that's like okay. saying, "Hey, what's your your biggest turkey?" I mean, I, right, I don't know. right. You know, I, I'll <laughs> tell you, my wife and I did have a great turkey hunt this year. 
and it, it, it's, a, it's a typical one, and it was a lot of fun opening day here in Michigan. I, I will share this with you guys. I mean, this is a turkey show. And, you know, we, we here in Michigan, we have to draw lottery for tags. And so we, we always put in for the first hunt. If we draw it, you know, it's great. And you get to hunt these birds before ever, you know, they're pressured. And we have a lot of public land. And, uh, you know, I've guided here in public land for years. And so we drew our tags. And I scouted the weekend prior, heard, you know, birds gobbling in specific different locations. And Sunday, we opened on Monday morning on the 21st. And, and Sunday night, we went out and, and uh, found, found an area where they were strutting and, Okay, yeah, we're going to cut some shooting lanes. We'll set up for over here, and this is where we're going to kind of plan on being in the morning. So opening morning, we get out there and set up, and we didn't we didn't really actually even sit down. We we got to where we were going to sit down, and in the dark, they were gobbling one ridge back from where we were planning on sitting in this opening. So I looked at her, and she's like, "Wow, there's quite a ways back there." I'm like, "Yeah, we need to be up on that next ridge. You know, we need to get back in there a little ways farther." And I. I hadn't been back in there in a long time. I didn't know what it was going to look like. We had had some ice storms here in the winter, so a lot of trees down. So in the dark, we sneak our way back in. We we get our way back into the top of this ridge, and, and as typical on opening morning, I want her to shoot first. And so I face her where I think the birds are going to come, and I sit with my gun in my lap, you know, all over her left shoulder, and call. So these birds work for a while, and then birds gobble behind us, and there was, you know, three or four of them on the ridge in front of us, and there's two little water holes to our left and right, and these birds should come right down this path, right down the top of this ridge, right to us, and yeah. they start slinking off to the to the left, and you know I'm calling, and they're gobbling, they're calling, they're gobbling, and the one behind me starts closing in, and so these two, and they're two year olds, and they, you know, they come all the way around the pond, and they're closing the closing the distance, and they're right in front of me, you know, they they're coming in front of me, and I'm trying to kind of get her to kind of get around my direction as best she can. And right but right across in front of me, there's this big deadfall from all the ice storms over the winter. It probably stands up, oh, two foot and a half to two feet off the ground at the top of it. So as the turkeys are approaching, I can see their feet under the log. And every once in a while, when they stand up and burn strut, and I can see their head over the log. But I couldn't really have a clean shot. And this log's out there about 20 yards, and they get right up to it. And I whisper to her, I think they're going to go around in you know, the right side of this log. And the way, just the way that turkey looked to me, I thought, he's going to jump up on top of that log. And I whispered back to her, I said, if he jumps up on top of that log, I'm going to shoot him off the log. <laughs> and sure enough, right at the last second, the first bird jumps up on the log, and he stands there craning up. And, uh, and I, 20 yards, I knocked him off the log. So he falls off the backside of the log, flopping, and then his buddy, how they normally do, he comes running up thinking, you know, whatever they think, if he's got a hen there or whatever. So I call a little more to him. I coach her, get your gun around here, get your gun around. And I call a little bit more and give him some fighting purrs and things. And he jumps up on the log. The next bird jumps up on the log and starts to walk away. And she shoots that one and knocks him off the other side of the log. So we, we doubled up opening morning. So we had a, we had a uh, really good fun hunt. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and, and got him to jump up on the log too. It's not all that common. <laughs> They'll do it, but it's not all yeah. that common that they do that. So yeah. I know here in Alabama, if you, if you have a uh, deadfall between you and a turkey, you can just about just turn around and go back to the truck. Exactly. They're not going to do anything. Yeah. But that's that's awesome. I, I love I love stories like that, especially doubles, and then you get to share a double with with somebody you care about, and yep. uh, makes it makes it even that much better. Well, we're uh, going to wrap up here, but you have a trapping service, mm-hmm. and you do this for people who own ranches for 
hunting club leases, that kind of thing, and you travel around the country and you run traps, like you said, for a week, two weeks' time, however long somebody wants to hire you. How would somebody go about getting in touch with you to hire you to come out and trap or to just get a quote? Yep. Best way is just to call me on my cell phone. I'm also a carpenter. If it goes to voicemail, you'll get my Oakwood Floors voicemail, but you can just leave a message for me. And my number is 248-431-8712. Just give me a call and we can kind of talk about your situation. And I usually spend... I kind of spend January, February, and, and part of March doing control for for different different places. So yeah, and so you you've had your trapping business for how long? Oh gosh, uh, I've been doing I've been doing it now well full time professionally for about seven years now. Okay. Yeah, so just a short time, not not real long, but the fur market climbed, and I started doing it full full time in the winters. Before that, I was a carpenter, and I still run my small business, and I just take time off in the winters to do what I love to do. And so your your bait product, again, you mm-hmm. said you, you sold that company, but how long has your bait product been around? And I guess, you know, really, when did you formulate that? You said it was right, right around the time the dog groove traps. Yeah, it's, it's been about, again, it's been about six, seven years now that it's, it's been out. I, I'm on the market for maybe five, really, on the market. But, it, you know, I've had it around for about seven years. Awesome. Well, again, I greatly appreciate you taking your time to to come out and, or not come out, but I appreciate <laughs> the time that you've taken to take the call today and talk to us, introduce us to trapping for those of, of us like me who don't know a whole heck of a lot about it. I've learned a ton from you and I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm not, not only for the show, but I'm just interested in it, period. Okay. And, you know, so I, I appreciate you spending your time with me to do that. And for those of you who are going to buy some traps or maybe you have some traps and you're like me you just haven't broken them out in a while to to set them and you're going to try to work on predators you're not going to eliminate all of them unless you're hunting a a fenced area if you're hunting a high fence area and you can do a lot of good trapping Mm -hmm. predators in a high fence oh yeah but you can you can surely make a difference in your turkey and deer population and again your quail population is something that trent touched on as well but you know you can you can do a lot of good with that by trapping these predators and if you're at your hunting camp if you're at your hunting lease and you're there for the weekend or you're there for a a three-day weekend like i will tend to do why not set the traps and and just run them i mean heck if you like i said earlier if you catch one coon that's one less coon you have to, to get into a turkey nest. So definitely worth it. And Trent, we appreciate all the tips and information that you gave us today. And I'm going to end the recording, but I'm going to get you to stay on the call with me. And I would love to set up another time to get more into detail with choosing a trap location and setting the trap and that kind of stuff. And okay. maybe we can set that up for next month sometime. Sounds great. Thanks, Andy. All right. Thank you, Trent. We appreciate the time and hang in there with me and in the recording now. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Again, if you'd like to get in touch with Trent, his number is 248-431-8712. I know he would be glad to speak with you about giving you a quote to do some trapping on your property. And if you have any questions, I'm sure he'd be happy to talk to you and help you out with those as well. Be on the lookout for upcoming episodes of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. We have some great episodes coming up. I'm going to be doing a few episodes on hunting public land, as well as an episode about cooking your wild turkey and how to prepare and cook your wild turkey. Again, thank you for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you next week, and I hope you have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. 
If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.